0: Good evening, bro. How you doing, brother? I am well, I'm well. Can't complain. Um it's been an interesting week, but
1: we continue. Yourself? It's been a very interesting day. Um I took one of my mentees to lunch and we were celebrating. We were celebrating the fact that he got into his first choice university, Warwick University. Well done him. And yes. he decided not to go. He won't be going because he's taking on an apprenticeship with Dyson, a degree apprenticeship. So while he's getting paid by Dyson, he will also collect his degree. Okay. So well done him. I introduced him to the podcast, so he might be listening to this now. Well done, Michael. You've done amazing. One other point that I would like to mention about him and his generation is that I truly believe, this is no joke, I truly believe that the Gen Z population are here to save us (laughs) I, i i i really think they're here to save us they are so sensible so intelligent so conscious that it really does make me think what have we been doing what have us millennials been doing because these guys have got a different level of drive he's got about three or four different side hustle ideas on his mind he's building and yeah it's amazing to see and it's really encouraging and it's A reminder that I've got to step my game up because this guy might overlap me.
0: He will. And it it reminds me of something my sister said, who's coming close to 40 now. Uh, A highly intelligent woman, um, but extremely risk averse. And she explained, well, during my day, you just didn't start your own business. You got a great degree. You joined a law firm and you aim to be partner. And she kind of marvels at her younger brother and his friends were in their 30s who were doing this. And we marvel at those who are 10 years younger who have three businesses at 20. Um, I think they're a lot more entrepreneurial. I think the social media world, for all its ills, has taught them that you can do anything. Now, whilst that can be extremely damaging to their mental well being, for some it's uplifting and drives them to really try everything mm. and see what sticks.
1: I think you said that he's going to overtake me with a little bit too much confidence. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping for a little bit of jostling, maybe, you know, a bit of stroke. Yeah, no, he will overtake you. Thank you.
0: It's it's going to, they've started sooner. Yeah. They are going to learn far more expensive lessons sooner than we did. Yeah. Um, speaking to a mentee a couple of days ago, she was really anxious about learning those expensive lessons like no 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 the, the sooner you learn them the better 100 now uh we have a very very special guest today however before we go into introductions um i did want to comment on chadwick Bozeman, um mr black panther who i woke up to yesterday the news of his death and it, it shocked me because you expect a lot of people to pass especially with the pandemic but At the age of 43, 42, he was very, very young. And this is someone who took the Marvel franchise to another level in terms of introducing it to people who weren't really interested and were only interested because it was a predominantly black cast and a black director. And it sobered me a little bit in terms of, wow, life is really precious. But his life is definitely a celebration. And I think it's it's worthy of mentioning all the things he did while suffering with colon cancer. And it's a, an example to all of us on what can be done through the struggle, whilst grinding, whilst struggling, whilst trying to actually take yourself from the position you're currently in, mentally or physically, you can still serve. And Reading around his life, that's what I'm seeing, he, he served. So it's, it's a reminder to all of us that what, one, life is short, but let's celebrate his life and learn from his service. I'm just going to throw that out there.
1: I completely agree. Um one quote which has stuck with me for well over a decade now following the attacks in in, in London, the um, terrorist attacks in London was a quote by a gentleman named Fred Rogers. And this quote was about understanding that chaos is always going to happen and there are always going to be things that literally just knock you sideways but whenever you see pain whenever you see chaos you also see helpers you also see people who are willing to go out and help so whenever I feel that feeling in my gut like I felt first thing in the morning when I saw that Chadwick Boseman had died the first thing I did was I looked for help. I looked for the helpers and it was very easy for him because he was an amazing helper. Mm-hmm. I shared in a, a few groups some of the amazing things that he had done uh, for charities, for activist movements and for young children who were also dealing with cancer. And as much as it's still painful that you know, we've lost someone so young, it does re-energize you to see all of the help that they were able to provide to a large number of people. And th- there's, a, there's a, a, a dichotomy there because the reason it hurts so much is because he did so much good.
0: And if, if you're listening this, to this right now, as someone who is entering into the entrepreneurial world or flirting with it, with the pursuit of just making money, let's reconceptualize that and see how many people we can potentially serve. Now, when we we're serving is through this podcast, which is Expensive Lessons. So this is a podcast where company directors share the fruits of their labours, but also the hardships, the struggles, the battles, the trials, the occasions where they enter the arena and fell flat on their face. And today, once again, we have a special guest. So you do not have to just listen to us and someone who we've known for a few years now, someone that we're very familiar with, and we look forward to having a great conversation. This is someone who has, in their own right, become rather famous as an influencer, someone who's worked with the likes of Misguided and with Converse, but she's pivoted from not only being an influencer, but to being a consultant within social media. She's advising brands and companies on how to actually manage i was going to say deal with manage and coerce manipulate um collaborate with influencers so we have chrissy milan the influencer also the founder of the ceo table um a great podcast where you can actually listen to how to get your act together and improve the quality of your life but all around a wonderful person um chrissy welcome to expensive lessons
2: Hi, thank you for having me, and thanks for the lovely introduction.
0: Now you can do it properly, Chrissy, because whenever I introduce someone, I'm always thinking that's not who they are. You can't introduce someone in 60 seconds. But the people who are listening who don't already know you, and a lot of them will, who is Chrissy Milan?
2: That's a big question. Um, So hello, everyone, I'm Chrissy Milan. I call myself a style and lifestyle YouTuber slash social media person. I'm also a self-development enthusiast, so I have a podcast called The CEO Table to help you become the best version of yourself. And more recently, I've written an ebook on how to build a personal brand as an influencer and how to use social media to be to make it work for you, how to monetize it, how to build a brand that's worth something. Um, and aside from that, I also work in social media. So I help brands look good online. Um, and that's a succinct version of me.
0: A very concise version of you. And I think it's clear to say that we're definitely speaking to an expert when it comes to social media and influencer engagement. I want to jump straight into it. So you are very keen on mental well-being and people being the best version of themselves, but you've also written a book on how to become an influencer. In your opinion, are we living in a world now where the two come hand in hand, where being the best version of yourself, is actually understanding that you are a person of influence a brand and thus you need to present yourself effectively
2: 100 percent. i think that my love for self-development started after i've sort of built a brand and i think while building something you can spend so much time kind of just going after the goalposts that seem most important that that may be like followers or brand deals or um you know growing and being more successful but on top of that If you don't look after yourself, then that version of yourself won't flourish. And then after a while, going from building that brand and realizing that if I don't take care of myself, I can't build that great thing. So when they kind of came together, creating this podcast where I speak about all these important things kind of helped me become better at building myself as a business. Mm.
0: Which reminds me of a belief that you will never be greater than your business or you'll never be greater than your brand. Now, I, I really want to try to unpick that. Do you believe that you are separate from your brand?
2: No, because I feel like even though I'm only 22, um, the journey that I've been on with trying to build things has only ever been as good as how much I know or how I view myself. And the better I'm doing at Be Me, the more I can pour into what I'm trying to create. And on the days or the weeks or months that I don't feel so great and I feel empty, that reflects in my work. And on the days where I feel full and inspirational or feeling good about myself, that's when my work looks its best. So to separate the two, almost kind of, it's it's almost impossible. And from a logistic point of view, yes, your business is a separate entity, but for it to be as good as it needs to be, you need to be as good as you need to be.
0: I'm hearing a lot about authenticity here. I'm hearing a lot about you being who you are and fueling you uh, how do you feel you Chrissy
2: oh that's a good question I think I fuel me by listening to other people speak greatness so I love listening to podcasts about even if someone's just talking about their own life and how they overcame something that fuels me to think about how I can overcome things so I literally take everything around me that's inspirational that's feel good content and especially right now with so much content being poured out to us like on social i've made sure that i've created an environment where the stuff that I'm listening to or taking in is things that can either make me better or teach me how to be better at something or give me a new perspective if i'm feeling down i'll most likely listen to a podcast and how refreshing and light i'll feel after is incredible
0: the great thing is that you're wise enough to know how to remedy that feeling of being down There are a number of people who have that very natural, very normal feeling, but stay there because they don't know what their triggers are and they don't know what their remedy is. You know that yours is listening to affirmation and positive words. I'm Mm -hmm. a believer that faith comes by hearing, which simply means what we hear, we will believe. And if you frequently hear positive things, you'll begin to believe them about yourself.
2: Definitely. And I think that a lot of people aren't... It's really difficult to be in tune with yourself. I think that a lot of the time when we don't feel good, a lot of people try to remedy that with things that just cover it up or just for the moment make it go away. But it's so important to... I have this thing where if I'm feeling some type of way, I keep asking myself questions to get further into it. So it's like, okay, why do I feel like this? Why do I feel like that? What's causing this? What's causing that? The the further down you dig the easier it will be to come out of that because you know exactly why it is ex- apart from like so that you don't end up running away from it.
0: No, it makes complete sense. And I'm trying to compute that and understand it as an individual and a brand because you taught me that I'm one and the same, mm-hmm. but also as a business. So that critical reflection, the starting with the big questions and then drilling down um, obsessively is what can get you to the point of growth and exactly. happiness yeah and I, and I think that's so powerful I'm, I'm hearing once again the power of the question I'm hearing once again uh, happiness is the result of growth once we've actually got to that core challenge and we know how to
2: remedy it yeah and So I was going to say with that, if you're going to like pour it into a business as opposed to a person, it's like, I think a lot of people when they're creating their businesses, they want to look at the strengths of it or see where they're doing well. But then when it comes down to looking at what your weaknesses are, we sometimes turn a blind eye from it. And when you do that, you, you don't ask yourself questions as to why something's not working or how it could work better. And without digging into that, you kind of just paint a picture over it so then it's like okay your business looks good from the outside until you dig deeper into why something's not working or maybe why your audience isn't responding as well as they need to and it comes again into like social media with like engagement anytime I post a picture and it sounds unhealthy but I always dig into okay why is this not performing so well or why is this performing well and the more you streamline that you can get to the core of what works and what doesn't work and then start Mm. repeating for me that does work and if you kind of apply that to every area of your life, which it sounds obsessive, but it works. Um, if you apply that to every area of your life, then you can kind of dig into your formula for what works for you.
0: I learned several months ago that employers look for two key skills, which are never really spoken about. One problem solving. What is your ability with problem solving? How well can you problem solve? Two, how well are you able to identify patterns? Because the individual who can identify patterns can replicate the pattern, can mirror the pattern, can create a system around it. And that's what I'm hearing from you. Um, I did what you were actually just suggesting on you a few hours ago, where I just went back to your post, your page, and I was looking at the numbers. And I was like, wow, Chrissy's got it going on. 12,000 likes here, 15,000 likes here. Wonderful. Um, and I started to do that deep dive of, okay, what is it about these posts specifically? Now, can you share instances where one, it went wrong, but two, when you realized that you had to do that, because people might be thinking, hold on, she just revealed that she's 22. I know Chrissy, I didn't know she's 22. Wait, how has she done all of this at the age of 22? <laughs> the Chrissy that we're hearing from now, wasn't always that chrissy. So uh, when was that transition point? Oof.
2: Um, I think there's always, you never know the moment that it happens until you look back. So I think for me, there was a turning point in late 2019. Um, if I'm going to speak specifically about like building social media, I would study how other people did well because they're obviously doing something right even if they don't know it they are and I think okay so based on what they did this is what I need to do and I remember last year around September or October I was kind of like okay I need to grow I need to keep going but I'm just in this point where I feel stuck and I think a lot of the times we make stuff up in our heads as to why we can't bring ourselves to the next level um we try and think of every reason why something's not working how we want it to and it was sometime around like yeah around october november where i had one of my first events for the ceo table and something told me that i just needed to bring continue the momentum online so there was a point where i was like i need to be more consistent to kind of work with the brands that i want to work with or grow my platform the way i want and literally since last year november I started creating content that I loved from other people and started to develop my own way of doing things through that. And since then, I've just kept seeing what works because you don't know until you try. And I've tried so many different types of content, so many different types. Like I've gone through, especially with my channel, I've gone through so many different types of content from motivational stuff, from fashion stuff to beauty and just consistently seeing what works, pausing, reviewing it, seeing what works, pausing, reviewing, and also seeing what you like, cause something might work and you don't enjoy doing it. And I found kind of like a gray area between what I like doing and what works. And then I just kept doing that. Eventually the formula runs out or it doesn't work anymore. You have to change again. Um, I think that point came around this year. So I had developed a formula and then lockdown started. And suddenly I couldn't go outside and shoot the type of content I wanted to shoot anymore. So I had to do that process all over again and find what works. And it's just that continuous process of, it's like an aha moment. So you keep reviewing the formula and keep reviewing the formula and then something works. And you hit that moment, it's just like, okay, this works, let me keep going. Then all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore. So you have to keep going. And that thing of keeping, that thing where you, that moment where you decide that you have to keep going is kind of like where you see what your tenacity is like because it's so easy to find something that works it stops working and then you don't want to do it anymore because it gets hard or you found something that works you want to you want to hold on to that but being able to just say okay no i need to keep going or to keep moving is that thing that kind of helped me build to where i am now i hope that makes sense
0: it does and to one or two of our listeners um we love you but this is why it's not currently working for you because success leaves clues. And what we're hearing from Chrissy is uh, a diligent pursuit of A-B testing, constantly refining the process and understanding that there are trends and pivoting. Um, Abby. So I'm, I'm a serial podcast listener.
1: So I listen to podcasts and then when I'm really engaged in a podcast, I start drumming up imaginary conversations with the podcast hosts like having full-blown conversations and they can't hear me and I really enjoy it but I am very lucky that I can actually interject in this I I was very comfortable sitting back but listening to you Chrissy just speak there was so much that stuck with me um you mentioned that there was one point that you did like motivational content but the, the thing that resonated with me about when you just spoke was that I think a lot of what you said is almost the antidote to what I would refer to as toxic motivation. Uh, we, we live in a culture now where everybody is referring to how motivated they are. If they're 100%, then they're going to take on the world. But if they're, you know, 5%, they're not going to do anything. And you just mentioned a couple of phrases that you had a formula, you were consistent, you had a routine. You had tenacity. And those are the things that I think are not about motivation. It's about discipline. So I'd, I'd really like to get your, your view on that. And if you could expand on that or whether I'm barking up the wrong tree.
2: Oh, definitely the right tree. Um, I think when it comes to motivation, one of my friends said to me that, um, I forgot what she said, but it was basically saying that motivation is something that you feel, as you said, 5% of the time. And when you feel it, take advantage of it because you're not going to feel it again for a while. And the moments that matter are the ones where, what, what can you do when you're not motivated? And I think for me, I've always battled with the idea of motivation, where I can work really well when I'm feeling great, and then I stop when I don't feel great. But I've come to learn that that, ne- that doesn't necessarily work <laughs> when you're trying to build something in a very fast-paced industry. Um, I think that discipline will get you much further than motivation. Um, being motivated, you can't depend on it to, to be great. You can't depend on it to bring you where you need to go. Because it's literally, it's like how do I put this? Like imagine putting a fuel in your car, like maybe I don't know, like five pounds, and then having to run on empty. What matches it's what matters is when you're running on empty, how you can carry yourself to the next point to get to where you need to be. Um and I think one of the things that even now that I'm I'm still learning it because there are moments where you feel good and you don't feel good. All the time where sometimes you just you don't want to do anything and it's in those moments that you have to just keep going
0: i completely agree Chrissy. you're so quotable like oh. i just want to start firing out tweets oh, i'm
1: i'm i'm chopping this podcast up into bite-sized chunks thanks chrissy and
2: i'll send an invoice for the quote I'll, I'll pass it to abby
0: um <laughs> So I'm, I'm still just absorbing some of the things that you said there in terms of discipline and motivation, because irrespective of who you are or what you are, whether you think you're an entrepreneur, whether you think you are merely just a student, you are faced with that same conundrum. And we all need to learn, as you just stated, that discipline wins. Motivation, will, is very feeble and ephemeral. It doesn't last long. but discipline cultivating that characteristic and that habit of doing it anyway when it doesn't feel comfortable is what will see you succeed now we've spoken quite a bit about you as an individual and a lot of the ideas pivot towards someone who is a founder someone who is an entrepreneur and we will go back there however there are people listening right now who are thinking okay i've just started this business and i want to work with chrissy Um, but I'm sending messages to Chrissy and a hundred other people like Chrissy and I'm getting no responses right now. They are airing me. Um, Can you explain to them why you're airing them right now? How it's Um, not personal.
2: (laughs) Oh gosh, there's such, there's like a whole host of reasons. The first thing I want to say, which is most important to the founder most relevant is that you have to make your business look like, um, kind of make it seem like me working for you is a benefit to me because at the end of the day I think when it comes to these sort of businesses it's almost transactional where everyone wants something out of it you want to promote a business so you can associate yourself with it that's the reason why I introduced me with say Converse for Misguided because they've created brands where people want to associate themselves with it mm. if you can build a brand image online that makes me think oh they look cool I want to work with them or I want to be known of them then I'm most likely to respond. Um, That's probably one reason. So maybe your brand doesn't look like it aligns with me or it doesn't make me want to be aligned with it. Um, So make it look nice. Then I'd say a second reason might be your product just isn't aligned with anything that I do. I think a lot of the time people just look at influencers with followers and think, oh, let let me just ask them to promote it. But you haven't actually thought, how seamless is this alignment going to be? I want to promote products that I don't necessarily have to force my audience to buy or force them to interact with the post. It has to be something that they already like, which means that they're gonna interact anyways. Um, So that's two. Then there is, what other reason would I not respond? Oh, um, I think I said this on our, the masterclass that you guys did, how that some business, the way they approach you, makes it not seem like they might just approach you and be like promo question mark or they don't make it seem like, like in, I always think that if I was, if I had a business where I was working with influencers, I'd make them want to feel like they're part of a special group. Like you, you're, you're really important to have, to make me want to work with you. And I think that tone of voice is so important. Like make them feel like they were selected to do this, make them feel special.
1: Yeah. Just, just to add to that, I've got a lot of female friends that I've done online dating And one of the common complaints that they have with online dating is that there's just no creativity from the guys contacting them. They just contact them and go, sup? Or hi, hey. Yo. (laughs) Hi, face emoji. Yeah, you free tonight? Um, (laughs) the, the, The comment I'll say to founders is don't be the Instagram equivalent of the Tinder bro saying, sup. Have some creativity, wine and dine them, add some style. Show that you're actually interested in them yeah. rather than you're just sending out a blanket message to a hundred people and seeing, you know, seeing what luck you get back. Yeah. I want
0: to dig a little bit deeper into that um, because Chrissy Milan at a time was one of many influencers that we worked with. And then gradually Chrissy Milan became Chrissy one of the very few influencers that we actually speak to who is, isn't. <laughs> can I say it's that? Late. It's too late. Let's keep it in the recording. <laughs> um, Chrissy, let's, let's, let's be real. Let's really dig deep. What was your experience like with LVH? Um, doing this, not as a plug for LVH, but mm-hmm. doing this as a case study, advantages, disadvantages of what to do, what not to do, what they did well, what they didn't do well, in terms of your experiences with LVH?
2: Okay, let's go through the timeline and then pull it apart. So the initial meeting, do you guys remember the initial meeting?
0: Chrissy? I, I, I wish I could say I do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wish I could say I do too. Okay, let's go with what stood out. I remember you guys invited me to the office for a an interview, I think it was a Becca? Yes. So that stood out for me because it was like a human to human contact. And I think right now brands heavily rely on, you know, building their influencer relationships online and just sending them stuff and getting posts out of it. But I think one of the turning points that made our relationship grow was the fact that I got to meet you in person and hear more about LVH and like see behind the scenes of what's going on. And then that built more interest or that made me want to root for you more. I think that when you invited me down, I think it was through an interview, I was like, okay, so that investment in me made me want to invest in you guys. And I think it's so important to build that relationship where on both sides, it feels more than just a transaction of, I give you hair and you post it. Mm. Because hair brands are not new to Instagram. They're not a, yeah, they're definitely not like a, yeah, it's not a new thing. So to specifically have this one doing things differently or making that effort definitely stood out. And then from there, I think the next meeting was I want to say it was the hair competition, but I'm not sure.
0: Maybe. I don't Maybe. think it was.
2: No. I think no. that was
0: the last like high profile one. Oh well yeah. there, was,
1: there was something else. So we were some an organization reached out to us to engage it was shades of beauty um, which is yes. a, a great event i recommend uh, if you're if you're interested in uh, hair care hair products and beauty products in general for uh, black women or women of color then it's a great uh, expo and they reached out to us for uh, engagement and i think we forwarded on uh, the the request to, to you chrissy and you did a yes. great a, a great panel discussion at that event
2: yeah, so that's another moment where you guys invested in me, and it's that sort of thing that I think is so important instead of trying to reach out to a hundred influencers to take over Instagram invest in ten and what you can do for them is I think it can be so much more off value than having a hundred influencers on your PR list because when you invest in those ten they're going to invest back into you and again, root for you without you having to do anything. Mm. So that relationship building aspect is definitely something that stood out when it came to working with you guys. And then here we are again. So, yeah.
0: Invaluable. Like, genuinely invaluable to hear because this podcast is engineered to allow our listeners who are currently driving, making breakfast, um, about to go to sleep, just hear what they could do. I'm genuinely hearing this first hand, and I didn't know this, so it's really invaluable for me to hear this, but on the flip side, there would have been instances where LVH just got it wrong. It just didn't work. When, When did LVH get it wrong? Um, when did LVH get it wrong?
2: I'm not sure. That's not like a softening answer. That's not like a sugar coating. I'm generally not sure because I knew that from the beginning, you guys were one of the brands that stood out to me, especially for a hair brand that just handled things really well. And I mean, I can only know so much. So you tell me, when did LVH get it wrong?
1: That That's a good question. I will give you one instance where I think LVH got it wrong. And it's quite recently. I think one of the things that we've noticed over the last six months or so is an increased consciousness, especially amongst black women about their position in society, their position in the world. And we will always see ourselves as advocates and supporters, knowing that as black men, we don't, we don't experience the full whammy of what it's like to be a double minority. And in some instances, there was one particular instance where we posted an image with a specific caption and the caption just didn't bang. Uh, the image was loved but the caption was, it It, it didn't, it, it it didn't resonate with our audience because I think some people thought that it was belittling to our audience so the caption was something along the lines of, Afalabi maybe you can help me like phrase it, but it was something along the lines of, um, you know, beauty doesn't come in a colour or something like that and the the critique from our audience was that we don't want to present this kind of colorblind notion of beauty. You know, people come in different colors and we should appreciate that and understand it. And um, our audience just t- took us to task and said, Mm-mm, this ain't that. But I was really happy that they actually reached out to us and said, you know, you guys Got it wrong this time. You guys need to think about the message that you're sharing. And we responded, we responded to that. Afalabi, do you remember that occasion?
0: I do. And I've pulled it up on my phone. Um, the caption was, the original caption was, choose to see character and not colour. the mm-hmm. caption was changed to choose to judge character and not colour. Um, now, I'm one for happily disagreeing um, with followers and customers. But this is an instance where they got it right. They were actually right. Because the caption and was in line with the post. So a lot of the captions are almost limbs to the posts. They come in, they, they, they mirror the posts in one way. And I think the post on that occasion was of uh, a model with really bright orange hair. And it was to try to stress the idea that, well, this is the look I'm going for today. Like, I don't want you to see that. I don't want you to see that color. I want you to see me. But they were right. Um, the notion of not seeing color is impossible. I cannot see an individual and not see their color. The question is whether I'm going to judge them for that. Mm. Um, and as Abby mentioned, they pulled us up on it, yeah. and rightly so. Yeah. Rightly so.
1: I was there was a bead of sweat coming down my forehead. Like oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But to that, I think our response to that, not to pat us on the back too much, but our response to that was very proactive. We had a meeting, we discussed it. We tried to understand our audience's perspective. And then we made the decision that we were gonna change it um, and not change it behind the scenes and pretend like we never made the mistake. But actually said, you know, we got it wrong this time um, and we're still learning. And I think that really helped us just, how did you
2: guys say that did you like make a story about it or did you add it to the caption that this was changed
1: oh we just got in we got in the comments we we got down mm-hmm. and in the comments with with our with our clients you know we were having conversations with them specifically just you know responding to specific comments to demonstrate that we heard them that we were listening and if somebody made a comment about it we'd respond
2: that's big i think, I think Especially in social media, I've seen a lot of businesses, they just delete comments, or turn them off. And it's so important that you sort of humanise the business because it's very easy to make it just look like a system and say nothing. Mm. And when you bring in that human element, people root for you more.
1: Yeah. Um, Did you guys see the um, Usain Bolt story? Um, It was... Say again? At the COVID party? The, the COVID party, but I think it was CNN or NBC in America. They posted about it, but they instead of having Usain Bolt, they had a picture of Kevin Hart. So they were they were <laughs> they were commenting about Usain Bolt, but they had this picture of Kevin Hart. Now, I mean, stereotypes aside, how can you get it so wrong? Um, yeah, and. What what I didn't respect about that situation was the fact that the company just said, oh, it was a computer glitch. And I'm, I, my response to that is just cool story. We don't believe you.
2: I don't know. I've seen too many people. I've seen it so many times. And at this point, I, I don't know if it's like a marketing ploy so people talk about it more. Maybe it is a computer glitch because it's so bizarre. Yeah. And, uh yeah. I don't don't know.
1: How many stakeholders would have seen that, though? That it was brought up by people reviewing it, saying this ain't right. I don't know. But all all I'm saying is I think sometimes companies will back away from sharing the hard truths and, you know, we messed up or are bad. And I think, as you said, it humanizes you.
0: That phrase, humanize your business, is one I need to write down. Mm because it's one which I believe, almost speaking as if I'm being interviewed here, it's one which I believe I tried to do from the very off. I tried to embody Maya Angelou's people forget what you look like, but never forget the way you made them feel into a company, into a faceless company run by a young black male selling to predominantly young black females. And that was all I had because it was faceless. However, now that I realize that people want that human touch more, we have to potentially become less faceless. Um, Chrissy, from your perspective, is that crucial for everyone to actually be out there, to be visual, to be open about who they are and why they're doing what they're doing?
2: I genuinely don't think so. I think if you have a brand that's by itself, the image of the brand is strong enough to make you feel, then you don't have to, um, then you don't need a face to it because the brand image is so strong that people are more focused on that. And I think in general, whether you do have a face or you don't have a face, having that element where, so I've heard that the most successful like people say that the most successful business are the ones that it isn't about what they sell. It's about how they make you feel. So if you look at, businesses like Apple, um, they sell phones, which isn't a new thing, but it's how the brand makes you feel. Tesla, there's, a, there's something special that you feel something special with owning a Tesla. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to, of course, people might, not, they may or may not be buying it because of Elon Musk. But again, having that product, how the feeling is attached to it is what matters the most. So I don't think there necessarily has to be a face to it. But today, in this age of a social CEO and people love knowing the people behind the business and what type of values they have, it helps and it does add some value to it because sometimes I'm not buying because I want necessarily want that product. I'm buying because I want to buy from that founder. So it can also be your advantage. Mm.
0: You mentioned previously that with the whole, um, Usain Bolt and Kevin Hart fiasco, that may have been on purpose and not a glitch um tell us more you have insight into behind the scenes when it comes to uh, marketing and social media engagement what kind of backhanded dubious things actually sometimes occur which we will see as oh that was just a mistake or random but it's extremely intentional and what could we potentially learn from it
2: i mean in my very short years of living I don't think I've, I don't think I'm yet to see anything so cunning that someone would do something like that on purpose, but I'm not, I wouldn't say that it it doesn't happen somewhere, but I have no experience of it yet. Got it. Yeah, I'm not
0: there yet. No, that's fair. Because I, I was just thinking, I, I do want to continue to get your take on how, companies can effectively work with influencers but I'm, I'm really interested in those instances where companies themselves are doing things just to gain likes doing things just to be seen now with a a new company someone who's actually approaching an influencer like yourself you almost share the things that they shouldn't do um, can you share instances where you know what The company itself may not have been the best fit, but their approach was brilliant. Their approach actually made you think, okay, wow, they're different.
2: Yes, Glossier is a really good one. Mm. Okay, so I think the brand of Glossier is very, they have what you call a cult brand. So people that follow them are very much in tune with them. Like you don't just buy Glossier makeup. If they have a hoodie that says Glossier on it, you're wearing it. If they have a water bottle that says Glossier in it, you're drinking from it. I don't know how they've done that, but they've managed to create this cult-like brand where being a part of it is cool. And I think when I started working with them, I hadn't used their products before. But knowing that they had that image, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like the most amazing thing ever. And then when they um, initially approached me, as again, I just said that that human contact is so relevant because. When I just started working with them, it wasn't just a, hey, girl, you should wear a lip gloss. It was a brunch in London with their social team. And then getting to know their social team made me more inclined to work with them because I was so invested in the behind the scenes of the business. And of course, their products are great. But just that, like, that first that brand image that they had and then that inhuman contact made me vouch for the brand so much more. Um, I think, again, when it goes back to like what I'm saying about what do brands get right, that image that you have online can make it so much better. And I think when people pick influencers to work with, it's so easy to want to get the people with like the most amount of followers. But if you look at the type of people that are already shopping your products or already vouching for you, if you let them be your ambassadors and let them rave about you online without having to do anything, then the word will spread and people start to be more invested in that idea of like, if all these people love this brand, then surely I should love it too, without even thinking about it.
1: There was a lot of value in what you just said. So many gems. And the one that stands out to me the most is the fact that Glossier took you for a brunch in London. And I'm going to try and pull that apart into a couple of different things. I think the first thing is that they wanted that face-to-face engagement that you mentioned, which is Mm -hmm. different. I I think sometimes you forget that influencers are people. And yeah. in, if I'm going to ride for your company, I need to know, you know, who's behind the scenes, what you guys actually stand for. So having that face to face content to contact is really important. The second thing about that is brunch, which is, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to dwell on brunch too long, but we're millennials and we like brunch. We like coffee dates. We like brunch dates. We actually like oh. a motive and When you're actually giving people actually an opportunity to, especially in this day and age where everything is so virtual, get out of the house and do something different, have an experience, then it can actually make you, people can resonate with your brand because you're giving them a a motive, something to do.
2: Mm -hmm. And then it makes you feel special.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, And that last thing around being special even, is now we've got something that is content or Instagrammable. Yeah. Now I've actually got something that, okay I can meet with Glossier. Maybe I'm not tweeting or uh, sharing a post about my meeting, but maybe I share a post of my amazing brunch meal, etc. And the thing about creators and creatives is they're always looking for outlets to demonstrate their creativity. So if you're sharing, giving them an opportunity to be inspired by anything at all, then once again, I think that can resonate.
2: Do you guys know that cafe in central London? Um, I forgot the name of it. It was on Connaught Street and it had, it's like flowers everywhere.
0: Yeah, the one there, the National Museum. Um, I cannot remember what it's called.
2: I can't remember the name of it, but the founder, I think her name's Lois, she spoke about when she was initially starting up the coffee shop. So, yeah, the cafe. And she was saying how one of the key points that she mentioned to her investors was that it's an instagrammable place Mm. which might seem like such a trivial point but in a in an age where everything needs to be instagrammable she said the reason why the cafe has done so well is because she's made it look instagrammable Mm. and it's to the point where even the people aren't coming inside they're sharing it and that element of sharing it made it get more popular more popular so it's like if you're going to create a business the more instagrammable it looks the more people are going to the more people are going to ride the wave the more people are going to want to share it even if you don't pay them to
1: i'm, I'm going to embarrass myself is it saint amy's that's
2: the one yeah that's it oh, that's yeah. it yeah
1: check it out it's a-y-m-e-s saint a-m-y what was it sorry i messed it up again uh, A-Y. <laughs>
2: a-y-m-e-s check it out yeah.
1: online yeah it's a really beautiful space
0: You're saying a few things which I think people need to go and dwell on. Um, One for me is Instagrammable, um, which will eventually become a word in the dictionary because it is a real thing. Um, Everyone's after an experience. Mm -hmm. People are picking restaurants purely based on whether it's Instagrammable or not. (laughs) Not the reviews (laughs) on Trustpilot or the what's in the menu. Um, How do I know? I was at one of them recently. It's the world that we live in. Uh, it's called Zen Lounge in Purley at South London. Um, go there, people. Um, I actually intend to go there again next month. Zen Lounge, it's beautiful, beautiful. Um, here's a free plug for Zen Lounge. You have worked with several different companies, um, and, and you know, okay, what's good and what's bad. You are fully aware of where Instagram is going because you've invested a great deal of time in it. You reviewed what works and what doesn't. But along came TikTok. Oh, now, a few God. years ago, along came Periscope and I haven't heard anyone speak about Periscope for a long time. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And I thought, okay, oh, cool. yeah, Periscope's taking a bit of market share. But then Periscope kind of disappeared. I'm sure they're still functioning out there, um, but it's mm-hmm. not spoken about. Snapchat did this job, Instagram with their stories, did their job TikTok tock have come along and they've changed the game as an influencer first how has TikTok changed things for you
2: i think TikToks made me realize that i'm not the cool and hip person on social media anymore the, <laughs> the 16 to 18 year olds are because that it's a hard place and do you know it's like it's so authentic and real looking and it looks so messy but the effort that goes into a TikTok and how creative they manage to be in five seconds, I give them all the credit because I, yeah, it I feel now it makes it look easy to put together a nice aesthetically pleasing picture because TikToks are just every time I'm on there, I'm impressed. Um, I think where it's going, I think now that it started to, I think it's changed the way influencers are seen. I think Instagram. I don't think TikTok's taking over because of how different it is to Instagram. I think Instagram's a place where everything's aesthetically pleasing. You follow the type of brands and influencers that you want to know more about. That's where you invest in them. On TikTok, it is purely for entertainment purposes. I think that influencers aren't necessarily seen the same as, I'm not invested in what products they're using or what skincare routine they're doing. I'm invested in how much they can make me laugh. and it started to bring back that el- element of being real to social media as opposed to looking the best. Mm. I think that's a, that that... Great...
0: Sorry, continue.
2: <laughs> no, okay. Last thing I was gonna say, now that Instagram have done their thing where they've stolen a concept, I don't know where TikTok's gonna go, but that's what I've seen so far.
0: No, I think that's a great summary of it in that. I imagine if you are a high-profile influencer, you have to have a different strategy for TikTok to Instagram. Um, However, even if you do have a different strategy and that strategy is off-the-cuff, real moments, well, that's Instagram stories. TikTok's about short bouts of entertainment. And if you're Mm -hmm. just showing me what you're doing in your day, I'm I'm not buying into you. Are you seeing almost a a new breed of influencer emerging on TikTok that has no space on Instagram or no authority on
2: Instagram. Yes, because of that entertainment factor. I think if someone's interesting to you on TikTok or funny and you follow them, you probably do not care what they're using on their skin on Instagram. So it's it's a completely different
0: space. Wow. And going back to that old thing, you know that thing called Snapchat? Remember that? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think I remember that. Where are you with that right now? I'm mentioning all these different um, platforms because...
2: Oh, God. I haven't used Snapchat since about four weeks after Instagram stole it. And that's probably, like, not very loyal of me. But, yeah, I think that's a thing right now a lot of how it works in terms like this is that loyalty doesn't exist if someone's doing something and doing it better or being more convenient you're thrown out and it's so important to be able to continuously keep up and i'm not sure why snapchat didn't like come back with something or try and keep up with instagram but it's so important to be able to do that in order to survive because your audience or your customers they're not necessarily loyal for the sake of it
1: i think that's such an important point for all of the founders listening, which is you must not just rely on customer loyalty, you must also deliver exceptional customer experience. And if you're not delivering that exceptional customer experience, don't be surprised if they go elsewhere.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So there are these platforms, um, and I imagine more are going to emerge you are someone who's done extremely well in terms of you took your influence on social media you were able to put it into an ebook which has done well you were able to have your own podcast see table you were able to develop a stream of income where you're actually advising companies on how to actually engage with influencers what's your success point what's the, the benchmark What's on the almost the vision board which will almost epitomize I've made it? Because there are many people who wanna be you right now. That for them (laughs) would be I've made it. What is it for you?
2: Um do you guys have you guys ever watched Scandal?
0: My wife did. I haven't.
2: Oh, okay. Then this wouldn't make sense. But I have I I I do
0: I do know the main
1: character. Um If I,
2: I Yeah. If I could be the Olivia Pope for social media, I think that would be my success point Um, to get to a point where it's like, you want Chrissy's advice for how to do this. like, we want to, she is who we need. Mm. That would be a point where I'm just like, yes. I like that.
1: So I've I've got a question. Um, so we, we, we met you about three years ago now, Chrissy and when we when we first spoke I remember hearing that you'd decided not to go to university and you were looking I think you got into university but you decided that you weren't going to go and that you were looking at alternative routes and I remember you being so self-assured at the time that there were just certain things that you needed to get done and you know you've gone on this journey and you've you've achieved a lot of success in an environment where everybody is kind of comparing themselves to one another comparing different milestones I'd just like to hear a little bit more about your journey um your 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 very personal journey away from uh, social media but in terms of you know finding finding your place in, in in the corporate world and achieving the success that you've achieved there
2: uh I think my, when I decided that I didn't want to go to university and I was very self-assured, I wasn't sure where I was headed, as in, I would say what I wanted, but I wasn't sure exactly where I was going to go. And since then, I've tried so many different things. So I decided not to go. So I took a gap year. Um, I started the Curly Hair Company. I don't know if you guys remember. I do. I do.
0: We'll speak about that soon.
2: The, then I did an apprenticeship for about three months, um, the year after that. Then I went to university for about six months, and I hated it, and I left again. Then I started working in social media last year, and that's kind of where I found my place. I think that even though I didn't know where I was going, I knew what I eventually wanted, and I think it was so important for me to just see what I could do without anything without knowing exactly what to just to see what I could do on my own and it's been a difficult journey because it takes a lot of time and patience because you know deciding I didn't want to go the plan could have been in six months I want to be like the biggest influence on the planet or you know do all these types of things and I had to be so patient with understanding myself and what I wanted and again testing things seeing if it worked and then going back to the drawing board and testing it again and seeing what worked. And I've only really felt stable in that decision to not go to university in 2019. So it took two and a half years before it was like, okay, now it makes sense. And up until that point, I was literally just testing and testing and testing and pushing and pushing and pushing to make sure that what I wanted could come into fruition. And now that I look back, it's one of the best decisions that I made for myself but it could have easily been met with a year off of trying things and just going back to university to feel, like, um, to feel like I'm in a bubble of safety. And that's what I did. I went to university in the, at the start of 2019 because I felt so like, is it all this testing working? Is it for, is it actually going to pay off? And I went, when I went and realized that this isn't where I needed to be, I went back to testing again. And that journey of going in circles and circles and circles and not knowing if what I want is going to work but just having that belief and that tenacity to keep trying is kind of the only reason why I'm able to talk about it now with you guys.
1: Well, I, I think that's really powerful just because so many people are under pressure to have a career path that is a straight line, but nobody does. Everybody's career path is typically a big zigzag. And the key takeaway from for, for me was just the fact that you didn't necessarily know what the end goal was, but you knew what strength you wanted to improve. You said, this is an area that I want to increase my ability. This is another area I want to increase my capacity in. And eventually when you get to the end of that short period, you actually realize, wow, I've actually created a whole person. And this person is somebody who-
2: Exactly, exactly.
0: So no, it's, it's really encouraging it is and and i've got to thank you for being open and being vulnerable um and i think this is the part where we are going to be a little bit more vulnerable in that i know what it's like with the salon to start something that didn't work to pour everything into something that didn't work to firmly believe that it was god ordained and to lose more money than i could ever (laughs) have imagined in something and it fall flat Um, And I remember the Curly Hair Company, I remember the branding, I remember the box. I remember thinking, I want LVH in that. (laughs) Um, Can you share what the Curly Hair Company was, is, and what happened?
2: Okay, so the Curly Hair Company was a natural hair box for women girls who didn't know how to reach their hair goals. Um, At the time I realized that loads of people wanted long healthy natural hair, but didn't know how to get there So I thought let me do this thing where I create personalized boxes They tell me their hair goals and I'll teach them how to use each product and send them the products that they need Um, So I started that at the beginning of 2017 and within In the first three months we had about like five to ten orders And then between three months in to about six months in so April to June It blew up. I made a YouTube video about it, which got um, probably up to maybe like, I want to say 200,000 views. And then every day we probably have about 100 orders in um, per day. So it blew up at a rate that I literally could not handle in any capacity. And I remember like just looking at my phone and every day there'd be notifications coming in, order, 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 order. And with that, so everyone would personalize how they wanted their order to be. So they'd say, "Um, I have this type of hair and I want these type of hair goals. Or they'd write a long paragraph about their hair journey. Now, at the time when I made this, I didn't know where it was going to go. Again, I just decided that I want to go to university. So I was like, let me test this idea. When it blew up, I realized the... Error that I made in making a very, very personalized product because a personalized product to that extent was not scalable in any format. So, with all these different orders, I was trying to like write these different hair routines for each one of them, and it was almost impossible. I remember one night I was up literally for 24 hours trying to like get everything done. And at the time, I was how old was I? I want to say I was 18. 19, like 18 going 19, so I was still, that was my first like ever try like running a business and I was just like, this was fun, I'm going to finish these orders, but natural hair is not even like an industry that I want to be in like that, but it was a good run to see how things would go and that's where that ended.
0: Wow, wow in so many instances in that, I think I remember that video, I remember from my perspective, as a potential customer, wanting LBH cards in those boxes. Yes. And I'm thinking, how can I... I may have even mentioned this to you. How can I get LBH cards in this? This is an amazing idea. Um, Other people must think it's an amazing idea. And hearing you speak about the number of... the volume of orders that you were getting, and then trying to place myself in your shoes, I know what it's like to be overwhelmed, but I didn't have as many variants as you did. Your variants were infinite because it was a hundred percent personalized yeah there are so many valuable lessons from what you've done and I think it's something which the entrepreneur in me and I know this is happening within Abby is like we need to explore this again because a system could be created to make this work
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um which is a conversation sorry guys founders um which might happen offline you might not hear about it (laughs) but yeah well done Abby
1: very quickly i just want to say that what you've demonstrated in the curly hair club is a value proposition which has ideal product market fit in that what you've identified in what you're offering is something which the the ecosystem is crying out for and the challenge behind delivery was a logistical one and a capacity one and as I said, I think I'm, I'm in agreement with, with Afalavi that some of this conversation might have to go offline. But uh, it, it, it I think a lot of the time dealing with founders, it's the other way around. We deal yes. with founders who've got a lot of capacity, a lot of engagement, a lot of um, encouragement, but they haven't got the product market fit right. They haven't got a value proposition which is gonna have hundreds of people crying out for this product or service and there is value in that. It's, it was a really tough lesson, I'm sure, but also incredibly encouraging because it demonstrated that you understood your target audience really well. You understood what they needed and you understood how to package that in a way that could be a business.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think at the time, I remember going through all this stuff because at time I had a mentor who was helping me kind of just refine all the details. And he made me like go into the detail about my, what a value proposition was. And at the time, I didn't know what that was. Like I'd never started a business before. He was telling me all these like technical words and I was just like, I just want to make my books and sell it to people. But digging, <laughs> into, <laughs> digging into these details made me understand it so much to the point where I think I really enjoyed building the brand for it because I knew who I was speaking to. And again, at the time, I was only like 18, 19, fresh out of school. And I didn't understand much about business at the time, but I learned so much. And all of that is just stored until a point comes where I feel like I want to create something again. And I know what to pour into it next.
0: And that point is the point which I'm glad that you mentioned because I wanted to mention it. Because prior to this conversation, I was speaking to Abby about a um an entrepreneur who i was trying to convey that message to the greatest win is your personal growth because your personal growth stays with you irrespective Mm -hmm. of whether the current venture or initiative fails what you learn from that goes on to the next one and that is why it would be in anyone's best interest to bet on you because you are bringing a wealth of experience um yeah we will have that conversation offline because i want to see the curly hair company again because it's it is what the industry is crying out for and i think people are tentatively trying to do it but no one's doing it properly because to do it properly it takes a great deal of time stop
1: stop talking Afalabi. stop stop talking
0: am i I sharing too much right now no let's move on okay um yeah founders sorry okay I want to go into that key question, Um, it's a question which I ask everyone, we ask everyone, and it's about expensive lessons. Uh, You shared so many valuable insights and there are so many nuggets, humanize your business people. That's the one I'm really taking away. Chrissy, what was your most expensive lesson to date, whether it be as an influencer or an entrepreneur yourself, specifically, how did it happen and what did you learn from it?
2: Oh, okay. I think my most expensive lesson would be there is no place for ego in building a business. And that's because it's so easy when you're building something to... I know there's self-belief where you're supposed to think that you're the best and you're the greatest and you know, you're going to do all these great things. But in order to get to the point where you need to actually be and in order to focus on doing the work and and actually building something great, you need to think that you're not there yet and that will keep you going. I think at certain points, I didn't do that enough. So the cost was my growth. And that's a very big cost.
0: Thank you. I say thank you because one, we're all students. We're definitely all students. And it's very easy for us to, with our success, be blinded by the fact that we're still a student. Um, whilst you were speaking, it, it, it took me back to a conversation I was having with our operations manager about influencers and saying, why do some of these influencers think they're amazing? Um, <laughs> why, why why are they so demanding? Like,
2: we're doing new with them.
0: Anyway, let's not go with that. Um,
2: That's a good point actually, Uh, like working behind the scenes as influencers, I've had the same thoughts, so I get it.
0: Why? (laughs) I don't get it. And then I have like young girls who I take as nieces who are what, 17, 18, 19, who I know secretly want to be influencers. I'm like, okay, you can do, that's fine. But if you're doing it for the reasons why I think you're doing it, it isn't what you think it is. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hard work which is necessary And there's a lot of thinking which is necessary for you to potentially pivot because the aim is to develop that following and then to continue to offer them value or a service. Not just your pictures.
2: That's the thing. Nobody needs your pictures. (laughs) Literally, yeah.
0: Abby, final comments.
2: Um,
1: This has been incredibly edifying. I think there's so much value that I've taken away from this discussion as you mentioned already, um, the importance of humanizing your business in in any activity, being personable with the people that you reach out to and providing just an incredible customer experience. And there's no excuse for not doing that in this day and age when customers don't have to be loyal to you. Also making sure that you put on those personal touches. Uh, Do not let our current climate Hinder your one to one face to-face engagement with people because that could be the thing that sets you apart mm-hmm. and in you in what you just said, I think there is an important lesson to to understand about understanding your self-worth and believing in yourself, but m- measuring that with the amount of humility that you have your your willingness. learn, I think it's really important that we just take a step back and actually believe that we're great, but believe that we can be greater. And the final thing that I would add, which which kind of comes off the back of that is 10 years ago, I thought I was incredibly smart. I thought I was so smart. And I look back at that guy and just look at him and go, you have no idea. You have no idea. And the encouragement there is there are people around you who have the answers to your questions, the questions that you're asking, and the questions that you haven't even thought to ask. And by being humble, by keeping open minded, by keeping that interface with those intelligent people, you can advance and grow much faster than maybe the people around you. So, for that, Chrissy, thank you. Thank you
2: for having me and allowing me to speak on these things. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Chris, you, you know, we enjoy this. So we're going to look forward to the next time. Um, we are going to bombard you and we're going to come on the CEO table and we're going to have you on again because I think there's some exciting things that we could do. Um, we've listened, founders, and I think Abby's mentions that coining. So I think I'm going to start using it as well. i calling our listeners founders. I like it. Founders, we've listened and we've heard that you want to hear more about our story. I thought we'd shared quite a bit, but maybe we haven't. And I think the truth is there are expensive lessons that we haven't revealed because they're far too painful, <laughs> and I would like Chrissy to be involved when we actually open the can on some of our most expensive lessons, which literally made me feel ill and kept me in bed for a couple of weeks
1: can Can I say one more thing uh Chrissy we're going to ask we're about to ask you where people can find you, but I want to give my own personal plug which is the ceo table people can find chrissy in uh, a number of places but what i want to talk about is whenever you recommend to go and for someone to go and listen to a podcast people can have decision paralysis you know someone might have 20 episodes 100 500 episodes so sometimes you go you know where do i start now my personal recommendation for the CEO table is that people go and listen to a specific episode. It is Adulting and Living Intentionally. I love that episode. I think it also is one of my
2: favorites.
1: Um, so that's my personal recommendation. If you are new to to Chrissy's work and new to the CEO table, I would recommend checking that episode out because I think it just gives you a great idea of what the podcast is all about. But for you, Chrissy, as well, what, what episode, if any, would you recommend that people check out?
2: Oh, I'd say start with the self-doubt source episode.
1: Self-doubt source? Yep. Okay, I'll check that
0: one out. We need to improve the names of our episodes. Like, <laughs> Chrissy, everything about you is curated. Yeah. Everything is aesthetically pleasing.
2: It comes with the Being
0: job it does it does as as Abby mentioned yes we can find you at the ceo table where else can people find you specific handles spellings where can we find you
2: so you can find me at chrissy milan on every other platform that's instagram and youtube that's the only place i am and then the ceo table podcast on spotify apple instagram and that's literally it wonderful Oh, you can also
0: find my ebook at ChrisMalan.com. Yes, chrismelon.com. Check it out for latest updates as to what Chrissy's up to. Um, Chrissy, personally for me, thank you. Um, until next time, it's always a blessing hearing from you. always bring so much value. You are a precocious talent. Um, I forget how young you are at times, which is frightening. Um, do give me a job at the future one day, please. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I look forward to our founders just hearing more from you um to the, our founders thank you for joining us this has been another lesson of expensive lessons um, lesson yes it has been a lesson but it's been an episode as well another episode of expensive lessons where we've been graced by Chrissy Milan humbly sharing the experiences of an entrepreneur who was almost overwhelmed by her offering but also sharing experiences of an influencer and how to actually engage with influencers. Until next week, people, we love you and stay safe.